So we're going to continue our series. This is episode number five, and we're calling this Faith for the Fight, because here's the reason why we're going to go this direction today. First of all, your family is under siege, whether you know it or not. Now, a lot of times we talk about things in the natural. In fact, last week when we had our family chat panel up here, and again, thank you for being so kind and gracious to my family. We had a wonderful time doing it, and we've had amazing conversations throughout the week in regards to how God used that to kind of open things up and let people begin to feel safe to talk and share and say, hey, me too. I got stuff too, and our family's got stuff too. And I had somebody come up to me in between service and say, hey, my family's more messed up than yours. And I said, I didn't tell you everything. Thing. So you don't know the whole story. You only got part of them saving some of that. But uh, it's funny now that we're comparing how messed up our families are. But uh, anyway, thank you for your kindness to my family. But here's what it last week did for me it precipitated a very real need. And that is to understand this that while the how to's are good, and I'm telling you, I would have been a therapist if I wasn't a pastor. So I mean, I'm all about getting help and doing what you need to do. But here's the thing. Not only is what we deal with in the natural, a natural fight, we also deal with a whole other side of the coin. And it's what Dr. Jack Taylor called the real world. He says, this is just a shadow. This isn't even the real deal. This is a messed up copy. It's a batch of facts of a facts of a facts of a facts of a facts. Any of you have ever done that, you know how bad they get after a few copies. So the resolution goes completely away, but the real world is actually the spiritual world, and it's the one that's going on around us all the time, right now. So the question is, you know, well, is it, is it psychological, is it physical, or is it spiritual? What's the answer to that? It's yes. It's both. And so while we've talked about things in the natural and issues and brought up things and talked about vulnerability and how to deal with things, we also want to say, but we also have to come to the place as followers of Jesus where we step into our authority, we draw a line in the sand and we say, metamos, which is in Greek, it means may it never be. It means no more. Where we draw a line in the sand, we tell the devil, no, you're not having my family. No, you're not going to destroy no, you're not going to kill. No, you're not going to steal. You know, the Bible says this in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only except to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus flipped the coin and said, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So I don't know about you. We have a choice. We can go with the thief or we can go with Jesus. I don't know about you. I want to go with Jesus. So we're going to talk about today what this spiritual war is all about. I don't like talking a lot about spiritual warfare because I don't want to give the devil any more press than he deserves. Can you get an amen on that one? I don't like him very much, so I don't like to talk about him. But I love Jesus, so I talk about him all the time. However, I also know this as a soldier, as a warrior, that there is a strategy and a scheme against my life, and I need to know the strategies of the enemy and the one who's opposing me. You do know that when you woke up this morning, you enacted Newton's third law, right? Here, let me clarify in case you forgot. Newton's third law is basically this. For every action... There's an equal and opposite reaction. Do you know that just by moving forward, you're creating resistance? And as you're growing in Christ and maturing in Christ, and as you are, in a sense, moving the ball down the field spiritually, you're actually creating resistance and enacting Newton's third law. It's at work in your life right now, but it's at work in the spirit, not just in the natural. And so we need to talk about this thing, this faith for the fight. Because whether you know it or not, you're in a fight. And here's the thing. I mean this with the utmost love. 
The truth is not contingent upon what we think or on what we believe. Truth is truth. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So the truth about the demonic realm, the satanic realm, and the schemes of the devil to take you out, it's real. And some of the language in circles I traffic in, we see people get taken out all the time. They get offended and leave. They get their feelings hurt and leave. They go down the street and then they get their feelings hurt again and leave. And they make this move from church to church and place to place and place to place. And what's happening is, is watching the enemy take them out everywhere they go. And the enemy's goal in your life is to marginalize your witness. To make you and render you completely ineffective for the kingdom of God. So that you're living a miserable Christian life. You're just surviving. But here's the beauty. God did not call you to survive. He called you to thrive. God didn't equip you to survive. He equipped you to thrive. God didn't equip you just to hang in there, baby. Remember the old poster with the cat hanging? I just totally dated myself, period reference. 60s. The cat hanging from the branch and it says, hang in there, baby. Some Christians look like that. They're just hanging on by their claws, just hoping, hoping, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. When he's called us to thrive and he's called us to walk in authority and dominion on this earth in which we live. Listen, we're not there yet, but in the meantime, there's something to be done. Can I get an amen? I'm going to need you to amen me or I'm just going to go longer today. Whatever it takes. <laughs> the family matters. Faith for the fight. The reality, uh, the reality of spiritual warfare. Many of you are in the fight. You just don't know it. You just don't know. You woke up into it. In fact, listen to this. And these are just the episodes we've been doing. Number one, we talked about it's complicated. Family's complicated. Amen? Love wins the day. That's huge for me. We're better together. Last week, we talked about navigating storms. And we've been going through these points. And I just want to reiterate them. Family is a place where safety is valued. Family is a place where faith is valued. And that's where we're going today. But I'm not talking about the faith that means you're swinging in a hammock on a warm spring day. I'm talking about faith for the fight. Because there is a very real fight that you're in right now, whether you know it or not. I will say this about the enemy. One of his greatest tools and weapons against your life is to convince you he doesn't exist. To convince you he's not a threat. To convince you that he's not at work against you. That is the enemy's greatest deception. The Bible calls him, and Jesus called him, a murderer from the beginning and a liar and the father of it, that it's his very nature to lie and to deceive. And when we are deceived, the very nature of deception is that we don't know we're deceived. See, see the crux there? See the problem there? And so a lot of us don't even realize that we're in the fight, but we are. Family is a place where grace is valued, but we're going to focus on faith today. I want to share this with you from C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers. He says this, one of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it talked so much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind death and disease and sin. The difference is that Christianity thinks this dark power was created by God and was good when he was created and went wrong. Christianity agrees this universe is at war. I want you to get that last line. Christianity agrees this universe is at war. 
You're in it now. You're under siege right now. In fact, I would dare say that some of you sitting here right now in your mind are under siege. And the enemy in his deception is probably whispering things to you right now, like, don't listen to him. Oh, here he goes. He's going off the edge now. Uh, don't, you don't need to hear that. But here's the thing. We come from a lot of different faith perspectives here. One of the things I love about Oak Hills Church is our diversity. We have, not, we have theological diversity in that we may have Episcopalians and Catholics sitting right next to a raging charismaniac. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we got one end of the spectrum to the other. And here's the, here's the problem with that. Some of you will think that I am going off the rails today talking about spiritual warfare. And some of you will say, come on, Jimmy, why don't you step it up and turn on the gas? Let's go. You see the problem here? In the middle somewhere, there's balance, but remember what creates balance is tension. So we have to embrace the tension and say, Lord, what do you want me to learn today? So the voices in your head that's telling you not to listen right now or that he's full of quackery, you need to shut that down and just say, no, in the name of Jesus, I want to hear what God has for me today. So be ready to listen. Posture yourselves for this. Listen to this. I love John Eldridge. Wild at Heart, Waking the Dead, some of my favorite books. He says this, I'm sorry if I'm the one to break this news to you. You were born into a world at war. And you will live all of your days, all your days in the midst of a great battle involving all the forces of heaven and hell played out here on earth. Now, let me say one thing about this. That doesn't mean you're walking around paranoid that there's a demon behind every door. It doesn't mean that when your car breaks down, it's a devil, and you got to cast it out. Although I've been tempted when I had a Volkswagen back in the day. I think it was demonic. But a lot of things that we want to attribute to war are just the things that happen in life. But I also don't want to ignore the obvious. Dr. Rice Brooks said this, you don't look for a devil behind every door, but you also do not ignore the obvious. And so I want to say this. The fight that we fight comes from a posture of rest in who we are in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again, because a lot of times when it comes to spiritual warfare, we want to go out and fight. We want to get intense. We want to lay into it with our physical strength. But here's the deal. No drama required. No theatrics required. Only truth required. Because we will know the truth, and the truth does what? It sets us free. Can I get an amen? I said you better amen me or we're going long today. I'm just warning you. All right, listen to this. The struggle is real. I have good news. In the end, we win. Do you know that? This is a win-win deal. Paul said, for me to die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. He's like, it's a win-win deal. In the end, we win. However, in the meantime, battles, skirmishes, fights, and conflicts involving the spirit realm must be, and here's three things, acknowledged, interpreted, and engaged. You were spiritually birthed into a spiritual war. Now, I want to show you something because I'm going to violate a preaching principle where you don't reveal all of your principles or all of your points at once, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it'll help you see this as we go through it because there's three things we need to do in regard to spiritual warfare and what the Bible says about fighting the good fight of faith. Number one, acknowledge the biblical truth that the battle is real and current. We have to wake up and say, this is real. This is not a fairy tale. 
This isn't something that's antiquated, ancient, and not, not relevant to our world today. You know, most of the known world gets this. Most of the known world completely acknowledges the presence of spiritual forces and wickedness at work and at play among us. But we in America, we've become so sophisticated and we value intellectual assent to the point where we ignore the truth of the Bible that says we are in a world at war right here and right now. It's a current reality. Frank Peretti came out with a couple books years ago. One of them was This Present Darkness. Anybody remember that book? Scared the bejeebies out of me. I'm just saying, that book terrified me. But what it did, it opened my eyes to this realm and the potential and possibility that there's a lot more going on than what I bargained for. Here's the second thing. We want to interpret our world. Interpret your world in light of the reality of spiritual warfare. There are things going on in your life that are spiritual warfare, but you have yet to connect the dots to it to say, wait, this is that. Wait, that's what's going on here. That's why this is happening. And how do we do that? It's actually simple. We ask, Lord, open my eyes that I may see, my ears that I may hear, and my heart that I may know the truth that makes me free. We ask the Lord to show us and reveal to us. Number three, engage in the battle that is raging around you. Okay, now that you acknowledge, now that you see, now it's time to engage in the fight. In 1987, I was in a band called One Voice. All right, let's go back to 1987. I had on a striped shirt, suspenders, sleeves were rolled up, and I had 501 jeans with tennis shoes, and my 501 jeans were rolled up into a taper. Anybody remember that day? Oh, I had a mullet too. And I had a cool guitar, a really cool 80s guitar. And we were in this little band, and man, we were going to take over the world. And I remember we did the Engage the Fight tour. So we took a bed sheet, and we painted on there, Engage the Fight. We played like six lock-ins at 2 o'clock in the morning for pizza, and we were changing the world one concert at a time. We were engaging in the fight. I thought about that this morning as I was coming up to that point. we got to engage in the fight my question for you is, are you engaged in the fight? If you're not aware that there is a fight, it's kind of hard to be engaged, isn't it? So here's the deal. We're going to reveal this, peel the layer back so that we can begin to step into this and fight the good fight. Listen to this in 1 Timothy 6. But you, O man of God, flee these things. What things? The things that came before it. Remember, context is king. He was talking about uh, greed. He was talking about financial gain. He was like, flee greed, flee uh, making money your, your God. He says this, flee those things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, period. The problem is, is in the Kohen Greek, there is no period. In fact, it's just a flow. So it continues and the very next line says, fight the good fight of faith. Unless there was a fight of faith to be fought, Paul would not tell Timothy to fight the good fight. Can I get an amen? There is a fight to be fought. Your family is under siege. You're under siege. At some point, you have to draw a line in the sand and say, no more. Devil, no more. You're not taking my family. You're not destroying anything else. No more. It stops today. Fighting the good fight of faith. Here's the good news about a good fight. So I hope Randy Taft watches this. Randy Taft and I were in high school together, and we played football together, and um, 
we got in a fight. And when we got in a fight, they arranged for the really epic fights were moved to the baseball field during lunch. And the whole school showed up except for the teachers and coaches. I mean, it was like a whole school's there. I felt like Gladiator. I felt like Russell Crowe at Gladiator. Man, we were about to just throw down, right? Two juniors in high school. And uh, the whole school shows up, so it's on. And I remember when we engaged in that epic clash. Now, somebody came out ahead in that fight. Who do you think it was? Well, you better say me, because I did. And so I won the fight. Here's the deal. If I would have lost that fight, that would not have been a good fight. When Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, what he's saying is it's a fight that you're going to win. The fight that we are engaged in for our families, for our life, for our faith, for, for the quality of life that God talks about, abundant life in Jesus, that fight is a good fight because it means you're going to win. And you don't have to live under the oppression of the enemy any longer. Amen? He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold, that means to grab hold of, grasp, eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Listen to this. Ephesians 6 talks about some equipment. See, God wouldn't call us to do something, tell us to do something, and not give us the equipment in order to carry it out. So listen to this. Uh, Ephesians 6 says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Notice it says in the Lord. Not just be strong in your own life, but in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then look what it says. Put on the whole armor of God. Why do you think Paul would say put on every piece of armor? Because any body part left unprotected when engaging in hand-to-hand -hand combat is going to be taken out, is going to be damaged. So there's armor that is for every body part. Listen to this. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means the word schemes or strategies. Do you know there's a strategy against your life? Have you ever connected the dots between the junk that's going on in your life and the fact there may be a strategy against you? There's a very real enemy. And his desire is to marginalize you and render you powerless. And frankly, render you miserable. So that you're not effective in moving the kingdom ball down the field. There's a real enemy at work. Put on the whole armor. Why the whole armor? Because we've got to have every part covered. In fact, check this out. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let me announce something to you. He's not talking about civil government here. He is talking about a demonic realm and a spiritual government that is against you and against me, and against the bride of Christ. It's against the purposes of God on the earth right now. And that is who we fight with, and that is who we wrestle with. Not flesh and blood. There's not a human in this building or on this earth that is my enemy that's flesh and blood. That doesn't mean we don't get crossed up, frustrated, offended, upset, but that does not make you my enemy. I have one enemy, and it's not you. So listen to this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, 
against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up. So in light of that, here's what you do. Take up, and he says it again, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. When is the evil day? That's here, now. The reference is current. Today is the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. You think you're getting the message that we're to stand? In other words, we're not to retreat. We're not to back up. We're not to run away. We're not to run from the fight because it's a good fight. And remember, a good fight is a fight that you're going to win. He says this, Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. He's talking about a belt of truth. So picture uh, the armor pieces, a belt of truth. What does a belt do? It holds everything together. It holds everything up. For some of us, it holds us all in, right? Amen. Thank you for belts. The belt holds everything together, and it's a belt of truth. Truth holds everything together. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, a breastplate covers the heart. It covers the vital organs, and it's a breastplate of righteousness. You know what that means? That means because of who you are in Christ, you're able to stand in the presence of a holy God on your own two feet. That's called righteousness. That means standing upright. And the Bible says Jesus has made us to be the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. So we can stand with him. So that's your breastplate. So put on your belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. And then look at the next piece. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In the Great Commission, Matthew 28, it says the first word is go. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Going means moving. It means actually putting one foot in front of the other and going. And look what it says here. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see the connection there? It means we're to put on the shoes of the gospel and go. We're to take the good news of Jesus Christ and go and deliver it to the world. He says this, above all, notice he even takes it up. We're about to biggie size this thing. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Did you know your faith is actually a shield that protects you? Again, referencing gladiator because that's how I think. I love that scene where they're, they're all out in the middle of the arena and they all have their shields and they're surrounded on all, all sides. And typically, this is when the bloodbath happens, when the, when the opponent closes in on them with their chariots and their spears and everything and they're going to take them all out and just mow them over. And they're all the gladiator. They're all out there, Russell Crowe in great form back in the day. They're all there and they've got their shields. And as the chariots approach, he, he yells out a command and at one time they all pull their shields over them and all the chariots go flipping over and then they go out and of course it's you know, beheading and all kinds of amazing guy stuff. They win. They take them out. Why? Because the shield was that which protects. And we have a shield of faith. And the question is this. Is your shield like a, <laughs> is your shield like a Tupperware lid? Or is it like a shield? Like a massive shield? Because if you've got little faith, you've got a Tupperware dish, you know, cover going on here. <laughs> and you're trying to hide behind that. But I'm telling you, we have the Ability through the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, the message of Christ. As we hear the Word, our shield grows from a Tupperware dish lid to a massive, massive piece of armor. How big is your shield right now? Tupperware dish? (laughs) 
lid? Or is it massive? Massive. And here's what it does. Look what it does. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Did you know fiery darts are coming at you right now? It's the same thing as radio waves that are passing through your body right now. That freaked me out when I was in high school and our professor told us that. Our teacher said, did you know there are microwaves passing through your body right now? And I'm like, what? I know what a microwave oven does. I'm in high school. They just came out. They were huge and they were loud and I'm certain they were generating something that shouldn't have been in our house. You know what I'm saying? The technology then was not what it's today, but you'd turn that thing on and it would fry in a minute whatever was on the inside. And we all thought, it's magic, it's magic, new technology. And I remember our professor, our, our teacher saying, those waves are passing through your body right now. And I'm thinking, that can't be good. I know what it did to my chicken the other day. That's, is it doing the same thing to me? But listen to this. These fiery darts of the wicked are coming at you all the time, just like microwaves, just like radio waves. They're coming at you non-stop. Remember, you were born into a world at war. Oh, the beauty of it, though, is that in Christ, we fight from the place of rest, the posture of grace, and we go, oh, God, you got this. So oh, you got this. But there are days when you will be called upon to stand. And there will be a day when the schoolyard bully comes to you. And what are you going to do? Listen to this. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are the fiery darts of the wicked one? It could be a lot of things, but I'm telling you what I know it is. It's the lies and the deception because it says it's his nature to do so. And so he speaks lies. He tells you you're unworthy and you have to go, wait a minute. But God says, but God says, remember the line in the garden? Who told you that? So the lies come at you and you say, wait a minute, the Word of God says, the Word of God, in fact, let's talk about the Word of God. This is the next one. And take the helmet of salvation. Do you know a lot of believers, when Paul says take the whole armor of God, they only put on the helmet of salvation. They think they're good to go. Cover your head. I'm good to go. Let's go into battle with your head covered. Everybody else is, is, is brandishing swords and spears and has shields, and you're in the battle with just the helmet of salvation. Well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Isn't that all that matters? Isn't that all that matters is just to be born again, get baptized, and attend church? There might be a little bit more to this thing. And so we're to put on the whole armor of God, not just the helmet of salvation, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the, short, the sword of, the, of the, or the, the shield of faith, and then listen to this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That word that's sharper than any two-edged sword. That is one of your greatest weapons. By the way, that's an offensive weapon here in the list. It is an offensive weapon, not a defensive weapon. And when that enemy comes to you with those fiery darts, you can say, oh, but let me tell you what God says about me. When the mirror says something to you, you can tell the mirror, oh, mirror, you looking back at me, let me tell you what God sees. Let me tell you what God says. Let me tell you how loved I am by my God. Let me tell you how much he values me, that he would even send his own son to die for me. And every once in a while, you have to just stand up to the enemy and just say, in the name of Jesus, by the way, every knee has to bow, every tongue confess in the name of Jesus, right? Well, you've been given authority 
authority to use that name. And as we use that name in the name of Jesus, I announce to you, devil, that I'm the head and not the tail. This is Deuteronomy 28. I'm above only and not beneath. I am blessed coming in and going out. I'm blessed in the city and in the field. In fact, the scripture tells me that as the enemy, you come at me one way, the Bible says you have to scatter and flee seven ways. Furthermore, the Bible tells me in Isaiah 54 that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and that every tongue that rises against me shall be shown to be in the wrong. Now, what is that? That's taking the sword of the Spirit and using it like a weapon. It's been given for you to fight the good fight of faith. Listen to this. Take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then, it, it's again, no period. It keeps going. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You have to understand we have been given weapons because there's a war to be fought. And I have to tell you something, beloved. It's not my job to fight the battle for you. It's not Russ's job. It's not Austin's job. It's not Jason's job or Annette's job or Emma's job or Max's job to fight the battle for you. The fiery darts that are coming at you are coming at you. And you have to fight. You have to put on your armor. You have to take the weapons of this warfare and fight. Now listen to this. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Did you hear that? There's something otherworldly going on here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Do you think addiction is a stronghold? Do you think alcoholism is a stronghold? Do you think pornography is a stronghold? Do you think adultery is a stronghold? Do you think gluttony is a stronghold? Usually gets quiet right there <laughs> as we get ready to go eat. These are strongholds that can be pulled down and taken down because the weapons of our warfare give us the ability to do it. Look at the next verse. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against knowing God. That's what that means. Not just the knowledge of God, but knowing Him, to know Him by experience. And it says this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Did you know you've been given authority and ability to capture your thoughts that torment you? You've been given that ability. And let me tell you something. One of the most powerful things you have at your disposal is your mouth. Because with your mouth, you can speak and declare the Word of God into a circumstance, into a situation, and literally shift the situation, shift the atmosphere because of the authority that is on your life. You've been given this weapon. Well, I, what I do is I come against anything that comes against me that way. I speak the Word of God into it. There's some great booklets. Stormy O'Mardian, great book, Power of a Praying Wife, Power of a Praying Husband. She has a whole series of those where she takes the Scripture and turns it into prayer. Uh, Jermaine Copeland, Prayers That Avail Much, which is our personal favorite. And the reason we could sit on a stage and say we're winning because of Jesus is because that little book gave us the words by taking Scripture and putting it into prayer. 
prayer form, and we have prayed those prayers over our family and over our situations for years. If you want that information, come talk to me. I'll get those to you. We cast down strongholds, high things, and every thought, every thought into captivity. How do you do that? Will you declare this word? Father, I thank you that you gave me the ability and I take that thought captive and I make it obedient to Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. It's that simple. And then you move on. I take that thought captive. It's not mine. To, I take it captive. It will not have rule over my life. That's how you do it. So a couple more things. 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This is talking about at the end. Now listen to this. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, that means you've passed over, then shall we be brought to pass. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Somebody say victory out loud. This is about victory and about claiming our victory in Jesus because of what he paid for. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Then look at verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Bottom line is this, we win. Because of Jesus Christ, how do you do this in your home? How do you do this in a practical way over your family? A couple of things, just practical. I wait until everybody's out of the house and it's just me and the dogs. So it's me and Gracie and Chevy. And they're chilling on the couch and I go through every room in the house and out loud with my mouth, because I understand my authority in Christ, I take the Word of God and I wield it like a sword and I walk through the house. No theatrics, no drama. But let me tell you something. When your child is under siege, your Terminator light will come on. And I'll go into her bedroom and I'll go to war for my child. And you know what? I frankly don't care what anybody thinks about how I look or how I come off. When my child's under siege, I'm the one that's been called to war on her behalf. And I'll walk in that room and I'll do war. I'll pray over her bed. I'll pray over her computer. I'll pray over her phone. I'll pray and ask God to put a hedge of protection around her. I'll declare God's goodness and God's word. I'll declare the destiny of God over her life. That no weapon will be formed against her. That not on my watch. And I declare life over here, and I war on her behalf. I go into our bedroom, and I war on behalf of my wife. The best place to do that is in the closet, because that's where all her clothes are. And I go in there, and I, it's quiet in there, too. And I can pray, and just I, just I speak over her, and I declare over her life, protection, health, grace, hope, destiny, joy, the fruit of the Spirit. How do you do that? You just do it. This isn't complicated, and it's not rocket science. It's literally saying, as a son of God, I've been given authority to war on behalf of my family. As a daughter of God, you have been given authority to war on behalf of the family. As a son, as a daughter, as a teenager, you've been given authority to war on behalf of your friends. 
to war on behalf of your teachers, your coaches, to war on behalf of your culture and say, Medomos, it stops here, no more. Devil, you're not going to have it. So I'm asking, in fact, let me pray for you right now because I feel like the Lord wants to stir up a spirit of might, a spirit of fight in us where we just say, we're not taking this anymore. Medomos, no more. May it never be. So can I pray for you as we close? Father, in Jesus' name, in fact, if you're here, I'm not even going to look, but if you would, you want to receive this, just put your hands out like somebody's going to lay, lay something in your hands. Just put your hands out in front of you. Just receive this by faith. Father, I pray over my friends right here, my family right here, and we declare, may domos, may it never be, no more. Father, we draw a line in the sand on behalf of our families. You have given us faith for the fight. You've given us weapons for the fight. You've given us the good news that we win the fight, the good fight of faith. And so, Lord, we lean in based upon the promises of your word, and we fight on behalf of our families. Father, because of our identity in Jesus that we've been raised up together and seated in Christ in heavenly places, you place us far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And because all things are under Jesus' feet and we're placed into Christ, all things are under our feet as well. And so from that posture and that position and that place of rest, we say, go get them. Go get them, Lord. Go get them, Lord. Go get them, Lord. Father, I ask for a hedge of protection around our families that every stronghold, we would take our authority and pull them down. Everything that's besieging us, the lies that the enemy speaks into our hearts through other people sometimes or sometimes in our own minds, Father, we pull those lies down. We stop them in the name of Jesus and we walk in the truth knowing whom the sun sets free is free indeed in the truth. We will know it and it will make us free. So I pray for my friends here today that we'll walk out of this place ready to fight the good fight of faith and wage the good warfare. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.